Hello, friends, and welcome again to another episode of the Potluck Podcast. I'm Jared Cornett, joined by my two esteemed co-hosts, the collard green-loving Alan Murray, who hails from the state of North Carolina, and who I affectionately call the red-bearded dragon, who hails from Farmersville, Texas, Matt Hensley. Gentlemen, how are y'all doing on this uh, June afternoon? I'm doing great. Doing well. Haven't had any collards today, but I'm doing well. That was in response to a, a tweet that Alan uh, uh, did not like. I know Alan likes his, his veggies. He likes his collards. He likes his mustard greens. He likes all those things. I'm not a big fan either, I'm be honest. Uh, well, uh, friends, it was uh, a big week last week. At the end of the week, as the Supreme Court ruled in a 6-3 vote in favor of the Dobbs case from Mississippi, which uh, would uh, overturn Roe v. Wade. In about 13 states, abortion is now illegal, and there has been a lot of fallout from this, uh, a lot of celebrations, and a lot of protests. Uh, did your church talk about it yesterday, either one of you guys? Did y'all talk about it? What did you say? And Yeah, so at first, Farmersville, we, we began our time actually with prayer, and uh, Bart uh, kind of opened up the time, sharing what did take place, how he encouraged us to to pray, to respond, also that we're going to continue to support crisis pregnancy and adoption and foster care, all of those kinds of things. And then we went into a time of a prayer of thanksgiving. Uh, as I recall, also a prayer of mourning for the lives that have been lost over the last 50 years, and of course, beyond that, uh, and also a prayer of mourning for the lives that will still be lost, certainly in other states uh, that do not have any restrictions on the books. And of course, those from states that do that may travel elsewhere. Of course, much has been made about the different companies that will be paying for their employees to do so. And, uh, and so then we took a time then to pr- respond for our own hearts, that we would look for opportunities to, to respond and care, be gracious and uh, and. And I was really encouraged by the tone that that set for our worship gathering. And then we went into our worship gathering as normal. Jay Allen? We definitely addressed it yesterday at Centerville. Um, I asked our uh, scripture reader for the morning. Usually one of our deacons will read scripture and have prayer afterwards. And uh, he included it in his prayer. Uh, I tied a little bit into my message. I finished up First Timothy yesterday, where Paul tells Timothy to guard the deposit. Uh, there's a, a great warning there to stay true uh, to the gospel and to the ministry and the word. And so tied it in a little bit there. Last May, uh, last month, we had our corporate prayer meeting and, and talked about Roe v. Wade after I'd been to an ERLC event. And I said, yeah, I know we talked about this last month during our corporate prayer meeting, but things have obviously changed. And so we spent a great deal of time, um, spent a little bit of time in Isaiah 5, uh, talking about woe to those that call good evil and evil good. Uh, and those who uh, take opportunity away from the innocent. And so we, we spent a great deal of time in prayer and discussion, how to respond, uh, how we can support local pregnancy center, Baptist Children's Home, the Every Child Initiative, dealing with foster care and adoption here in North Carolina. Just told our folks, hey, listen, uh, we are really pro-life. We're not, we're not just pro-birth, we're pro-life. Here's how we support it. And here's how we can continue to support pro-life efforts. Uh, our sermon yesterday was from the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, which Paul exhorts the children to obey their mothers and fathers, to honor their mother and father, for this is the one commandment with a promise, 
And uh, so I felt that was a very nice timing that we had that yesterday. And we talked about uh, kind of the beginning of our sermon, the value and the worth of children. And uh, I mentioned the case and I even mentioned uh, about a few months ago, I got an anonymous letter from somebody, maybe a church member, maybe not, maybe a former church member. I don't know. I, I usually throw those out, but they just lit into me because I allowed an unwed mother to have a baby shower at our church and our church showered her with gifts. And so I had not mentioned that I got that letter, but I mentioned it yesterday. And I said, I just hope the person who is, who wrote that letter, that coward who wrote that letter is here. So they can hear me say this. I would do it again. I would do it a hundred times. I would do it a thousand times. I hope that every unwed mother or every mother and father who is struggling in our community knows that this church is for them. And uh, we talked about how, you know, I know so many people are getting so upset by uh, the work has just begun. We've been doing the work for 40, 90 years. Like, I, I understand what people are saying. So I, I encourage our church that our work continues. We're going to continue to support our pregnancy center that we support Thrive, who does great ministry. We're going to continue to support uh, people in our community. And um, we're going to be a voice for the voiceless. And so, um, Matt, I think you got some quotes pulled up. What were some of our SBC leaders saying in response uh, to the ruling that came out on Friday? Well, many of them are former pastors, so they are very long, uh, like the resident Dr. Bart Barber, and I wanted to share this one specifically because of what you just said, uh, where in his statement immediately following this, uh, his second bullet point, that every human being is valuable and deserves to be loved and protected regardless of race, ethnicity, sex, socioeconomic status, disability, intelligence, or utility to society. And, uh, and he goes on to, to say, kind of to that last point that you said, yeah, we can get on to the whole, you know, now the work begins or it continues all like I get what everybody's trying to say there. But truthfully, Christians, by and large, are the most pro-life and also not just pro-birth, right? We, we are caring for pregnancy care centers. We are loving on uh, young mothers like y'all did, that kind of deal. Uh, but Bart shared his final little uh, sentence there that state by state, mother by mother, heart by heart, we will continue our sacred word toward this goal. And uh, and ultimately, that would be that there would be no more abortions in the United States of America, or really anywhere would be our hope and our prayer, but certainly uh, where we can serve and where we can lead out in these areas, state by state, mother by mother, heart by heart, we will continue our sacred work towards this goal. And and he shared in it, of course, how we have been having resolution after resolution, especially over the last several years, uh, about the pro-life cause. And we're grateful for that. Uh, others that said, uh, Jamie Dew, uh, one sentence. Thank you, Lord, for the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Grateful for this day and for this decision. Uh, Dr. Izell, it's a moment to celebrate because so many of us have worked for and prayed for it so long. Still, we need to redouble our efforts to encourage adoption and foster parenting and support those who are doing that. Abortion will still be legal and common in many states. We must serve mothers generously and kindly, so more will be encouraged to carry their babies to birth. And uh, not listed on this article that I think uh, we talked about maybe in our little uh, chat group, uh, where was it Clint Presley just got lit up on Twitter by people, you know, he had said something about it and you need to care for, you know, mothers or adoption, fo- waiting for you to foster, adopt that kind of deal, uh, who he had been one of those that had done that. And uh, and so 
that was something that went Bart's way. Anybody that usually spoke out on that, you saw some of the trolls that would come in and, and say different things. And many of us like you, uh, and I know Jay Allen has shared his desire with his, his home situation to be able to one day to foster and adopt and so forth. Uh, Jared, you've done it. Rebecca and I have done it. Uh, it's a joy. And so many Christians have led the way in that. And uh, so a lot of these strong statements from, from people, Dr. Moeller, uh, thankful to God for this historic day uh, and, and many others. We'll link all of these so you can see how Southern Baptist uh, leaders responded. Uh, to this. And I think we can be grateful that in the year of our Lord 2022, this is a response that we got across the board from our Southern Baptist entity leaders. And that may not have been the case many, 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 many years ago before the conservative resurgence. And so we're grateful uh, for that. Jared? Yeah, uh, very thankful. And we should remember those who for 49 years went before us and uh, helped us get to this day. And we ought to thank God for answering our prayer uh, that we were able to get this day. And, uh, you know, Christians are twice, more than twice as likely to adopt and foster than non-Christians. And I hope that that can, number continues to grow, uh, that Christians who are able will welcome children into their homes. And uh, I'm very optimistic for the days ahead. So anything else you guys want to add on this uh, monumental case uh, that happened? Well, I'm sure this will not be the last time that we talk about it on this podcast, and certainly not in our lives. Another news, uh, in the great republic of Texas, Alan, you made not feel a whole lot of need to contribute here. I'm very sorry. We'll let you lead on the uh, center culture topic, which is also kind of Texas. <laughs> but the great republic of Texas, the great republic of Whataburger, as Matt so affectionately calls it when he preaches at Plymouth Park Baptist Church. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, the executive director, David Hardage, of the Baptist General Convention of Texas, or Texas Baptist, has uh, announced his intentions to retire in the fall of 2022 after 10 years of service. And Certainly, what makes this interesting is, is Texas is one of those states that has two state conventions. We have the BGCT and the SBTC, and uh, my church is duly aligned with both of those state conventions. Uh, Matt's church is SBTC only. Um, the BGCT certainly has come a long way from what it once was. A lot of that credit to David Hardage and the leadership. There's no doubt in my mind that David Hardage is a conservative leader. Thankful for his ministry and leadership. Uh, and that would be interesting to see what happens next. Uh, who does the BGCT go to in terms of hiring an executive director? Or could this be an intentional step towards having one state convention? I don't know, Matt. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I have a lot of thoughts. First is how grateful I am for uh, David Hardich. Great guy, great brother. Uh, loves to run or, or kind of walk run, I believe, kind of a very speed walker type guy. Every Saturday, he's doing his little 5K, 10K, half marathons. Uh, I love seeing that uh, early in the morning, even here in the summer, doing those kinds of things. Uh, but uh, his, as he said in the uh, press release, his favorite part of the role has been visiting churches and connecting with their pastors. Uh, very rarely does a day go by that you don't see David Hardage in front of another pastor or with another pastor taking a selfie with them and, and what they talked about and so forth. And so I'm grateful for him and his leadership. Uh, he is a faithful brother in Christ and, uh, and has led well and with distinction. Uh, but as you said, yes, there are two conventions here. And, and I think we wrongly kind of label and stereotype uh, our churches that would either align with only one or the other. And, uh, and so sometimes people may be on the uh, perhaps the left side of the aisle, so to speak, would would want to label the SBTC as fundamentalist. Uh, 
Uh, sometimes people on the far right of maybe the SBTC might want to label everybody in the BGCT as liberals and everything, and that's that's really not reality. Uh, there are going to be some very far right people in the fringes of the SBTC, and honestly, in the BGCT as well. And there are also going to be some somewhat leftward leaning folks that will be in the BGCT as well. Uh, but the vast number of them are faithful people that believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. And in fact, some in the BGCT also affirm the 2000 Baptist faith and message. Uh, some of the churches that I've served, uh, where the, the, the confession that we have, the statement of faith that we have, Baptist faith and message, all that kind of deal, was so much of a hurdle to adopt uh, in, in terms of going through the bylaws and the steps that you had to do, even though the church was very conservative, pastor was conservative, all of that kind of stuff. It was so much of a difficulty and so much of a headache. They just didn't do it. And uh, in, in the steps that you would have to take. And so I know many were, quote unquote, 63 by by simply uh, necessity, where it's just too difficult to try and change it to the 2000, even though it was what they affirmed and often was even on their website, but it wasn't really on their documents and so forth. So you have a number of those. The the kind of the uh, the the weird part is going to be the relationship more so not with the churches, but with some of the colleges, where they're going to stand, where they're going to fall on this, and, and if there's going to be any desire uh, to build some bridges there and maybe move towards the 2000 faith and message uh, or, or not, uh, either if it's cutting ties or whatever it might be. That's going to be the, I think, more difficult maybe than the pastors and the churches that will make up many of the people that would be at a meeting to make some of these kinds of calls. It's going to be more so, I think, the colleges. And, uh, and I know still you've got some colleges that we all know uh, we might could say jokingly or kind of Baptist in name only. Uh, and then we know some that may not affirm the 2000 faith and message, but are certainly not liberal uh, and, and may not even affirm the 63 faith and message, but a whole nother confession of faith uh, that is still strongly conservative and so forth. And, and one of those being Dallas Baptist University uh, that I graduated from a great uh, school here in Dallas. And so, it's going to be interesting to see where they go, who they hire, and uh, and maybe knowing who that is may give us an indication if they do want to move towards uh, maybe combining with the SBTC uh, or if they want to move away from that and, and maybe even go uh, towards a more national BGCT type approach. And uh, so that remains to be seen. I'm hopeful for the day that we can combine our efforts because like we say all the time here, we are better together. And, uh, and I think those lines are pretty clearly drawn, uh, certainly on the SBTC side. And so I am hopeful for that day because imagine what we could do uh, with all of us working together in Texas. Uh, and certainly, uh, I believe God will bless the efforts uh, until that day that we can. Yeah, it is, it is quite interesting uh, due to the fact that you have to affirm the 2000 Methodist Faith Message to be SBTC, but you don't have to affirm any thing to be BGCT. You just have to give. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll be interesting to see um, what can, I'm hopeful. I am. I would love to see uh, both state conventions come together, but I know they'll be hard. I think the SBTC uh, brought in what $20 million last year through the CP and then uh, BGCT around 25 million. I mean, think about what $45 million could do together collectively yeah. uh my my hope and prayer is that something like that will happen uh we do align with the sbdc back in uh october uh here at the parks so we're just conventionally 
more that way. We affirm the 2008 message. There's some things in the BGCT that we have questions about, uh, but we still get through the BGCT. And so um, better together, you know, the BGCT, if you study the history of it, it was certainly format, just like you talked about, to be kind of its own uh, network of churches. Uh, seems like we have these pop up all the time throughout history, these networks of churches. Uh, but I, I, I hope for a day where all the Southern Baptist churches in Texas can be connected together confessionally and cooperate together uh, for the sake of the gospel. All right, Alan, why don't you take hey, us I'll, away here? Let me, oh. let me chime in there too. Like that might be the direction that we're heading uh, for the SBC. If you kind of see some of the motions and the different things that are coming forward in the, uh, the different, you know, amendments, of course, point of order as everybody was using wrongly. But uh, when we, we met, I think at some point there's probably going to be a call to say, like, you have to affirm this to be SBC. And, uh, and I don't know when that's going to come. Uh, I think that's we talked about the Greenway Amendment that lets us kind of we need to know what does it mean to be in friendly cooperation and have a faith and message that is like, the, you know, what a, how, how much further outside of this do we go and what are the non-negotiables within this? And, and so I think it's going to be helpful to define that. Uh, but I think that's one of those things that, that that answer to maybe the SBTC, BGCT thing may be somewhat set when it comes from the national side of saying that in order to be Southern Baptist Convention, you're going to have to affirm the 2000 Faith and Message if we do get to that point. And uh, I don't know that we will. I don't know that there's a votes for that. And, uh, and I don't know what that does in terms of how many would be gone off in whatever or change it immediately. I don't know how all of that works. This is above my pay grade, but I think I just see that being a conversation that's starting to happen now and yeah. will continue to, I, I feel like strengthen because of some of the things we're facing. What does it mean to cooperate with churches of life, faith, and practice? Let's figure that out. Alan, take us away on the center culture topic. Yeah, it seems almost inappropriate for this North Carolinian to tackle this Southern culture topic, but I noticed something going down the road the other day. Uh, within 20 minutes of my home that I had never noticed before, I don't know if it's new or if it's always been there, but there was a Western wear shop uh, tucked right there in eastern Columbus County in the far southeastern corner of North Carolina. Uh, I know that Western wear is, is just, you just call that clothing in Texas, right? Yep. <laughs> I mean, look uh, at Darryl right now. He's wearing the Carhartt shirt right now, aren't you? I am wearing a Carhartt. Car you are, man. That's that's halfway there. Weren't we supposed to protest that or something? Probably. Did I call you out? Sorry. No. <laughs> no uh, but it, it seems like everywhere you go in the South, and, and, and certainly across the country, but especially in the South, I think everybody, uh, maybe not everybody, but it seems like there's always a contingency of people that want to think they live in Texas. Um, and, and cowboy boots are, are the situation. I know a pastor, uh, pastors in my association, he does not wear dress shoes. Uh, <laughs> if he is in a suit, he is in a pair of cowboy boots. Uh, and of course, cowboy hats as well, uh, even if some folks don't even know what a cow looks like. Uh, <laughs> so, so Western wear, obviously big in Texas. What about you guys? Uh, Matt, I know that you wear boots. I have no idea about Cornut. I know we both wear Crocs, so maybe we're not allowed to talk <laughs> in this conversation. <laughs> Uh, so one, one thing I, I would love to get Bart on here just so he could share the story behind the boots that he wears. He has a very nice pair of boots that are beautiful, that he wears them every Sunday, except for last Sunday, because a new suit that he got when his father-in-law passed away, this, the family bought him two new suits. Uh, they are too 
narrow for the leg and so the boot will not fit so he had to wear dress shoes and and he looked so weird like if i because i've only seen him in boots and uh but there's a story behind it either it is 10 year anniversary 20 year anniversary something they got him some really nice boots and uh and i have long gone to cavenders and some of the boot warehouse all that kind of stuff and really want that kind of lifelong uh you know kind of more exotic boot uh, but I can't ever, you know, pony up the money that's for it. So I end up just getting the regular areas that were out after a couple of years. But but anyway, yes, boots are kind of a must have. I feel like in order to get your Texas green card, you have to have a pair of boots. And uh, cowboy hats are a little more optional. Uh, I saw Bill Scar. Uh, you know him, uh, Jared Cornett. He wore a cowboy hat the other day. That, I don't think that guy's ever been within 10 feet of a horse or cow in his life. <laughs> no uh, chance. But, uh, but anyway, he did have a cowboy hat and uh, looked pretty goofy with his T-shirt and everything else with it. But, yes, uh, that is a normal thing. Of course, the, the jeans, uh, that's a very normal, you know, but that's kind of beyond just Western wear. Uh, but I, I still fondly remember my dad, uh, who every Christmas would get about 12 pairs of Wrangler jeans, and then mom would have to wash them. I can't remember how many times, but it was like 10 times in a row, just wash, dry, wash, dry, wash, dry to make them just a little bit softer, even though they make them like he was then getting them after the 10 or 12 washes that she would do. And uh, anyway, he had the same kind of pair of Wranglers. And anytime we went to the stores, like, you want me to get you some Wranglers so you can have some like me? Absolutely not. Uh, a little too tight. But uh, but yeah, that's a very common occurrence. Uh, the pearl snaps, got to talk a little bit about the pearl snap uh, shirts, not as popular as maybe the boots and so forth, but I do own a couple of pairs of those. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, it, it's, it's, it's not just dress. It's a, it's a frame of mind, uh, <laughs> Jay Allen. So when I got to play the part, we used to have Western worship once a year. And uh, I quickly did away with that. Uh, I just didn't like, I don't like thematic worships. But uh, throughout the year, many of our churches wear boots. Certainly bolo ties are very uh, popular. I do not have one, uh, but they, they like to wear them. But when I got here, a church member, a very gracious church member, said, come on, we're going to go to Cavenders. Uh, and you're going to get a pair of boots because if you live in Texas, you're going to have a pair of boots. Well, any, any boots you want, I'm buying them. So we, I, don't, I don't know anything about boots. So I said, well, I've kind of got a wide foot. And so I'm wearing Chacos right now, Alan. I'm not wearing my Crocs, but I'm wearing my Chacos. So I kind of got a wide foot, so I don't, I don't want to narrow. So I said, let's go look at these Lou Casey's. I don't know anything about Lou Casey. Uh, but I learned something about them when we checked out. They are very expensive boots. I think I have worn them exactly one time. Uh, but I'm going to wear them on July 30th at Cowboy Stadium in Arlington, Texas, when I go to see Garth Brooks performing live uh, in Dallas. And so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I don't I don't have a cowboy hat, uh, but I do have a pair of boots. And they're in my office right now because I wore them once on a Sunday. So there's that. Well, I'm currently wearing chacos, not boots. I don't own any boots. When I was a kid, I used to have some cowboy boots and would go to the rodeo. Uh, and had like a strong cowboy hat. It's been a long time since then. I think the closest thing that I have to Western wear that I wear often in the fall is my single action Wrangler uh, revolver uh, by Ruger. And so I, I don't know if carrying a single action revolver counts as Western wear or not. Matt, you'll have to tell me that, but that's 
that's as close as I can get. We'll count it. We'll count it. I, I love being in an open carry state. I'll just put that out there. Actually, when you do to Texas, they give you a gun when you cross the border and your uh, your your permit for it. That's, uh, well, that's sort of may, maybe I'll reconsider uh, coming down to Plymouth Park to be your senior adult minister. Come on, uh, Alan. Uh, just just for the just for the gun and the boots. I've tried to hire Alan for I think three years now to be our senior adult pastor. He, he's close to the same age as most of our senior adults. Enjoy the same things as they enjoy. And so, well, friends, uh, <laughs> thank you for coming again to the potluck. Uh, hope that uh, you've been able to celebrate uh, this decision with the Supreme Court as we get ready to continue to do the work that we've been called to do. Pray for the BGCT, SBDC, as we figure out what the heck we're doing here in Texas. And go get you some cowboy boots. Get your bolo tie. Go, go, go say... Howdy to somebody. And join us next time. Same Baptist time. Same Baptist hour. Same Baptist, my friends.